Morning, everyone. It's great to uh, see you this morning. We are uh, in a series called Radical Faith, and we're going to close it out today. So uh, uh, if you've been engaged with us through this whole series, hopefully you've been challenged. I'll be very, very honest with you uh, on a human level, um, and maybe you can relate. Have you ever had those moments where you've read a book or someone has talked to you and said something to you, and you're like, oh, man, I wish you hadn't said that to me, because then you got to like make a decision or, you know, kind of do something with that piece of information that you've gotten. Uh, that's how I feel with this whole series. And, and, and again, that's from on a human level. As we've been, this is probably one of the Sentinel series uh, that, I've, that I've had in a while that's really just grabbed a hold of me because as I, as I read the book by David Platt and then, you know, studied uh, more into the Word of God over this whole concept of radical faith and living out this, this journey, this movement in which God has called us to, um, it is, I mean, it has really challenged me, really challenged me, uh, to the point where I'm standing face to face and and having to make certain decisions to say, you know, do I truly believe this and is it evident in my life? And so I hope and pray that you've been in that, that you've allowed the spirit to take you uh, face to face uh, with some some of those decisions as well. And today, uh, as I said, we're uh, we're going to wrap this series up and we're going to talk about radical risk because that's what it is. This whole thing is a radical risk of our lives. Um, it, you know, as we live this out, we understand, as we've said for, for the last few weeks, as we live this out, we understand that it's really not radical at all. Now, when you take what we're talking about here on a weekly basis and you throw it into the light of the world's philosophy and the world's ideals and ideas and things like that, absolutely looks radical because it goes against the grain, right? But in here, when we look at the Word of God, we realize that this is the norm. This is exactly what God has called us to. This is the norm, and this is what we will look like. So really, we're trying to go back to the norm. And so, uh, but but as we as we live it out, as we live it out in our daily walks, it is a very radical risk because it's 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 vastly different. It's just vastly different. And for many of us in our workplaces and our schools, our our you know uh, our, the context in which we live it out, it looks vastly different. There are people around us that that are that are not on the same page, and and that puts. Uh, uh, that, that comes into play. That's a variable that comes into play. And so today I want to share with you as we wrap up, um, in fact, as, we, as, as I've been, was preparing for this talk, um, I was thinking about some of the various things that, that you know, I was you know, going to say, and I thought, you know what, I'd like for this just to be a conversation. I'd like for this, this, this time to be just kind of a conversation just between you and I. We're just going to uh, kind of kick back and relax a little bit today and talk about it, and then we're going to celebrate in Holy Communion. And you, for those of you that do not see the elements of Holy Communion, do not freak out, it's part of the talk, okay? So you can just relax and kind of lean into this and, and just uh, hear some of the points that we're going to make. If you're following along in your notes, uh, grab those uh, with me, and as you're doing that, grab your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to take a look at some of the words of Christ as we, as we wrap up this uh, radical faith and talk about radical risk. And in Matthew chapter 10, in the context of this, Jesus is, is communicating to some of his disciples. He's sending them out, um, and he's, he's uh, having some follow-up with them. And uh, we're going to uh, kind of jump in the middle of, of, some of, of, of some thoughts that he's sharing with uh, his followers here. We're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 10. We're going to take a look, look at verse 24. And uh, he says this. He says, a student is not greater than the teacher. A servant is not greater than the master. The student shares the teacher's fate. The servant shares the master's fate. 
And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, how much more will happen to you, the, uh, the uh, members of the household? By the way, I'm reading in the New Living Translation, so it may read a little bit different than if, you, if you're in the NIV. He says, but don't be afraid of those who threaten you, for the time is coming when everything will be revealed that is, that is secret. Or I'm sorry, let me start. For there is a time coming when everything will be revealed. All that is secret will be made public. What I tell you now in the darkness should shout abroad when daybreak comes. When, what, what I whisper in your ear shout from the roof to, or the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who, who will kill you, who want to kill you. They can only kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear God who can destroy both soul and, or destroy both soul and body in hell. Not even a sparrow worth only half a penny can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid, you who are more valuable to him than a whole flock of sparrows. If anyone acknowledges me in public here on earth, I will openly acknowledge that person before my father in heaven. But if anyone denies me here on earth, I will deny that person before my father in heaven. Just a couple notes that I want to share with you today from our text. The first one is this. Following Christ means fully investing in him or fully identifying with him. You know, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where when we begin to live this, 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 this movement out, this way out, this journey out, this is, you know, this is where it really begins to take form, to take shape. This is where it can become extremely uncomfortable. Jesus says this. He says that no, no student will, you know, a student will be um, identified with the master or, or the teacher and the servant will be identified with the master. And he says, if I'm being called the, you know, the leader of the demons, if I'm being called, and I'm paraphrasing some of this, but if I'm being called the prince of demons, you know, how much more you're going to be called uh, because you're a member of the household, because you're going to be identifying with me. Now here's the crux, guys. I want to ask the question. I wonder how many of us in here this morning, as we go into our jobs, as we go into our workplaces, I wonder how many of us in here this morning, someone could look at and say, you know what, that person's different. You know what, that person, you know, the people that work with us, or maybe our schools, you know, uh, other students would look at us and say, you know, that, that, that kid's different. That person is different. They think differently than, than most of us. They think, they think uh, it's like they're operating on, uh, with, with a whole different set of rules, I wonder how many of us would be labeled as someone like that if someone would look at us and say they are vastly different. Or do we just kind of blend in with the ebb and flow of the world in which we live? Jesus says that you're going to, you, you need to expect to receive the same treatment that he experienced. Jesus says what I've experienced, you're going to experience. The things that I've experienced. Now here's the kicker. If we're not experiencing some of the things, same things he experienced, if we're not experiencing some, a little bit of persecution or a little bit of, you know, of being shunned as an outcast because we think differently, something's off. That must mean that we're identifying a little bit too much with the world, right? And so, you know, we need to, we need to take a critical look at that. Do, do I stand out? Am, do I operate under a different set of ideals? When I make a business uh, dealing, when I think about making decisions, when I think about just living my life out, when I come to the table to discuss things, when, however it is that I live my life, when I live it out, do other people see that I operate by a different set of standards, a different set of ideals, a different set of principles and concepts, or do I just blend in with the rest of everybody? 
And you see, Jesus says that there's going to be a time where you may experience persecution because of that. There may be times where you experience a little bit of, uh, of an outcast type attitude because we think differently. We think differently, or we should be thinking differently. And Jesus says, you, might, you, you need to expect it because that means you're fully identifying with me. I think about those individuals, the first people that were identified as Christians. And we've talked about this before. The first people that were identified Christians in that city called Antioch. And people looked at them and said, hey, there goes a little Christ. There goes someone who looks just like that person Jesus Christ did. They, they, they operate the same way. They talk about the same things. They're, they're, it's, it's, it's like they're, they got the same mindset. I wonder how many people in our world today, in your world, in your workplace, in your schools, wherever you're at, wherever you go, wherever you mingle, I wonder how many people would look at you and say, there goes a Christian. There goes someone who is, who is different. And in, in, and in a way compared to, you know, uh, the way Christ would live out his life. Jesus says, you will experience that as you identify with me fully. If we're not identifying with him fully, something is off. We're not living this, this radical lifestyle the way God uh, has, has called us and be, being a part of this movement that he's in. Now, as we experience this, the, the second point is this. God's sovereignty enables radical living instead of fearful living. God's sovereignty... Now, if you've been in church for a while, that whole word, God's sovereignty, that's like one of those, that's a big word, isn't it? That's like one of those million dollar words, God's sovereignty. What does that mean? Well, if we just talk about the word sovereignty a minute, being sovereign, just a simple definition of sovereignty means the supreme ruler, supreme authority. It doesn't get any higher. God is sovereign. God's sovereignty God is the complete, absolute, complete authority. Many of us will say, I believe in that. But as we think about it, and as we live out our lives, and as it begins to trickle down, it can have extreme, profound implications within our life, right? Is God sovereign? Do I truly live that out in my life? If I believe that God is sovereign, I can have complete trust and faith in him. Jesus says, Jesus says that there's not a sparrow that falls from the sky that God doesn't know about. He goes on to say that if a sparrow is only worth half a penny, how much more does God take interest in you? He also says that God knows the number of hairs on our heads. Now, for some of you, that's not too hard. Jerry Ricker, I'll get you back from making fun of my hairstyle. And so, you know, and that, that might be a bad example, although Jesus did give it. You know, if Jesus would have met Jerry, it might have been, he might not have used that particular uh, analogy for the, the demonstrating God's sovereignty. But nevertheless, God's sovereignty, God is the complete authority. Now, here's the kicker. If we truly believe that, doesn't that give us a sense of confidence to be able to radically live out in a, you know, in a fearless way? Wouldn't that give us incredible courage? Wouldn't we begin to really trust and be confident in his care and provision? You know, as we go out into the world, and the world is vastly different, but we go out and we say, you know what, I'm living my life by a different set of principles and and, and concepts, and I know that I'm going to be persecuted at some point. I know that I'm going to be alienated. I know that I'm going to be an outcast or shunned at some point in time because of the way I believe and I think, but I have complete faith and trust in God. I am confident in his care and provision that he is sovereign, that he is the complete authority in my life. Now, think about this for a second. Again, we 
We say that we believe it, but do we truly believe it? We understand, we cognitively understand it, but do we truly believe it? Do we believe that everything that happens in my life, everything that should take place in your life, God knows about, and God said it's okay for it to happen. Whoa, time out. Time out. You see where it gets, you see where we got to sit down and really think about this? Is God sovereign or is he not? Does he, know, does he know what will take place, could take place in my life? And does he say, okay, what about the bad things that happens? What about all the sin in the world? What about the tragic things that happens? You're telling me that God is in complete control? I believe the Bible clearly articulates that God is in complete control, that God is sovereign. I believe that the Bible clearly articulates that God holds all things, all things in his hands. And that one day God will restore order to what is broken. And if I truly believe that, that has profound implications within my life as I make daily decisions. Because I'm going to have to make some decisions that are not popular. You're going to have to make decisions that's not popular. You're going to have to make decisions that's going to take you out out of your comfort zone. But do you believe that God's sovereign? You're going to have to make decisions that's going to, might put you in a sense of an outcast, being shunned or ridiculed. Are you willing to do that? Are you living the radical faith? Our lifestyle will either confess or deny that we truly believe that. Our lifestyle, the decisions that we make will either confess to say, that says, I believe that God is in control and my life is surrendered to him 100%. Those of that have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and we're part of this movement. Our lifestyle, our decisions, our daily decisions will either confess or deny God. Let me ask you again. We've talked about this before as well. And by the way, I'm not going to share anything really new with you and groundbreaking. But this is stuff, this is the stuff we have to keep coming back to. You know, and I'll be very honest with you. This is just a freebie. I'll be very honest with you. As a pastor, when you think about speaking... 52 or so weeks out of a year. Now, granted, we take vacations and have some mission trips and things in there as well. But 52 weeks out of the year, what do we talk about? What is there to talk about? Some of you come close to 52 weeks out of the year. And it's like, what is there el- what's left to say? But to try to encourage, to say, this is the life that we've been called to. This is the life that God called us to. Are we truly living it out? Do we truly believe that God is sovereign? Do we truly believe that God knows all things? Do we truly believe that God is in control of all things? That he is the supreme authority? Will we make decisions in our lives based upon that? Will we surrender our lives on a daily basis that says, God, my life is in your hands. God, if you want to wreak havoc within my life, so be it. God, you do, do you do whatever it is that you want to do in my life? God, is I read your word, as I study your word, I am going to base my decisions that I make on a daily basis that's going to confess that you are God or deny you are God, but I'm going to base my decisions upon reading and understanding your word and how to direct my life. You see, those of us that are trying to live this radical faith, and I'm not saying it's easy, but those of us that are placing our faith and trust at saying God is sovereign, God's in control, our decisions should be made solely upon his word because you're not living your life for yourself, you're living it for God, right? Right? It's not yours any longer. 
You're saying that my life is in your hands, God. I'm surrendering my life to you. So that means that every decision I make has got to be based on where you want me to go so that I'm either confessing or denying you. And here's the kicker. We are not following Christ if we love our earthly home more than this. That means when I make decisions, that means when you make decisions on a daily basis, what are, you, are you focusing more on your comfort zone? Are you focusing more on your life? Are you taking a look at your grand scheme of things? These are the, my purposes, this, these are my desires, and I'm going to live my life out based upon accomplishing those purposes and those desires. Or are you living it out saying, God, my life is in your hands. And whatever it is that you want, that is how I'm going to live my life. That is how I'm going to base my decisions. God, you tell me where to work. You tell me what job to take. You tell me what to do. Here's another kicker. Let me ask you this. And I'm not saying that God's asking us to do this, but what if God would come to us? You want to talk about radical in the scope of the world we live in. What if God came to you and said, I want you to take your retirement and everything that you've saved up, and I want you to give it away to someone that's in need in this body? Or maybe outside of this body. I want you to take all your investments. I want you to liquidate. I want you to liquidate and I want you to take what you've got and I want you to give it away and I want you to take my words very seriously when I say, don't worry about the clothes you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about that stuff because I'm in control and I will provide. That's radical. Some of us are thinking that's stupid, right? Based on what? What are you basing it on? Are you basing it on the word of God or are you basing it on human logic? Are you basing it on what we are influenced by on a daily basis? What if that's where God was leading you? Some of us will say, I cannot go that far. And we will struggle with it. And our spirituality will stall right in that, right there because we're not willing to trust God. I'm not saying God's asking you to do that today, but I'm asking you, what if he came and asked you to do that? What if he said, this is what I want you to do? I want you to trust in me. Completely. Implicitly. Everything that you have. You know what? We read about guys like that in the Bible. We read about, we read about people like that in... You know, in, in, in the Bible that uh, people like Abraham. And I'm telling you, we read stories like that and it just seems like we kind of glamorize it. We kind of forget about it. We, what would, what, how would you respond if God said, I want you to take your son and I want you to go and I want you to sacrifice him to me? Well, that's a cool Bible story. Yeah, I learned that when I was a kid. That's a really cool Bible story. What if God, at, no, we would say, well, God would never ask me to do something like that. I wonder if that's what Abraham thought. Do we really trust God? And are we willing to live it out in a radical, a radical way? If we're focusing more on what brings us comfort in this world, what we're seemingly entitled to, 
And see, that's the American dream that starts penetrating the way we think. I'm entitled to some. I'm entitled to this. I'm entitled to this lifestyle because I've worked hard. I'm entitled to live this way. So don't, don't try to guilt me in to, you know, to, to some of this stuff that you're saying. And that's how we feel at times. I'll be honest with you. That's how I feel at times. When I sit and read a book and, I, and it draws me back to the word of God and it's saying, you know, Jesus is saying, give up everything, follow me. It's like, wait a minute. Wait a second. But are we willing to do that? Because that's shifting our focus off of ourselves and saying, God, if that's what you want me to do, that's what I'm willing to do. And our, our eternal reward is worth all of the earthly sacrifice that we will ever experience. Guys, I get that this is hard. And I'm with you. I'm preaching it myself. I am with you in this. Because we are humans, and it's so hard for us to, to grab that concept that there's something better, that, that heaven's going to be something better. I mean, we, we, we think about it, we, 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 we may dwell on it in our minds, but it's so hard because we've never seen it. And I think, I think you know, sometimes if God would just kind of give us a glimpse, if he would just kind of take his finger and just kind of push back the curtain so that we could see what's on that other side, I think many of us would just, I mean, you talk about radically living our lives for him, I think that's what would do it. But God, for some reason, doesn't do that. And he's wanting us to have faith in him and trust in him and place our implicit Faith and, you know, trust all there. I think of guys like the Apostle Paul, when you read about his story, and paraphrasing it, where he says, you know what? All this stuff that I thought was going to bring me worth, all of this education, all of my experiences, all of this stuff that I invested my life into, every single aspect, aspect of it, I consider rubbish. And I would invite you to do a word study on that rubbish, because it really, how it translates into the word dung. And I believe that he even used a stronger word than dung when you really look at that translation. And he says, all of it is nothing compared, compared to the heavenly reward. And he goes on to say, he says, I'm going to press forward. I'm going to take everything that, 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 that's, that's going, that can entangle me. I'm taking everything that might reach up and just grab a hold of me and trip me up. And I'm letting it go. I'm stripping it away. And I'm focusing straight ahead. I am keeping my eyes locked on that eternal reward. I am keeping my, my eyes locked on the prize. I am keeping my eyes locked on what it is that I'm all about now. And that is living my life for Christ. Allowing Christ to just live in and through me. Talk about living out a radical faith. Talking about putting it on the line. Talking about just keeping a focus. And that's very true for us in, in this 21st century. Those who live their lives for themselves will be lost spiritually. The word teaches us, and in the scripture, Jesus says, if you deny me here on earth, I'm going to deny you before my father. Those, who we, those of us that are going to place our, 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 our attention on ourselves and live our lives out the way we want to live our lives and, and, and again, get caught up in all this entitlement, get caught up in all this American dream stuff, get caught up in all this stuff that just seems to permeate our thinking at times and, keep, you know, and, strip, and, and knock us off course, if we allow that to happen, we will be lost spiritually. We will not experience life to the fullest, as Jesus says. Those who surrender their lives completely to Christ will find life to the fullest. 
Some of us in here, man, we're, we're convinced that if we just, if we can focus on some of these other, you know, some of the things, we've got things in our, li- in our lives, if we would take a critical look at, if we would do some introspection, if we would sit down and allow God to just communicate with us through the power of his Holy Spirit, he would begin to reveal that we are placing a lot of faith, we're pay- placing a lot of security in things that will not provide what we're looking for. It can't provide the life to the fullest And Jesus says, those who abandon themselves, those who surrender to me, those who have the humble and contrite hearts, those are the ones that are going to find life to the fullest. Some of you in here this morning are seeking. Some of you in here this morning have been searching for a long time to grab a hold of that one thing that's going to make your life feel complete. Some of you in here this morning have been following Christ, but in some, some way, somewhere down on your journey, you've got kind of diverted, you've got your focus a little bit off, and, you, and you're looking at things, and you're, and, you're, and you're trying to grab a hold of this, and trying to grab a hold of that, and thinking, well, if I can just, if I can just manage this, or if I can just kind of, if I can just grab a hold of that, and I can bring that in, that's going to give me life to the fullest, and, and you're following a deception. You're deceived. And that's what this journey is. I hate to say it, but that's what this journey is, is staying focused, is, is focusing on, on Christ, focusing on, that, focusing on what he wants to do in and through us. And as we begin to, as we begin to uh, stay focused on him and allow him to have complete rule of our lives, that's when we experience life to the fullest. I can't tell you how many counseling sessions I've been in where people are struggling with just that. When they've wrecked their home, they've wrecked their marriages, they've wrecked their relationships with their kids, they've wrecked other relationships. And some people will go their entire lives looking to try to fix that, never understanding that it's that complete surrender to God where they find life to the fullest. And I can't tell you how encouraging it is when you have someone come in your office for counseling and they look you in the eye and they say, I've wrecked my life. But the only thing I have left now is God. And I'm willing to allow him to have complete control of my life now. And I'm going, to change, I'm going to allow him to change me. And to see that change literally happen in front of my eyes is absolutely incredible. And it's just so reassuring and encouraging to know that God is alive. And if we can surrender to him, he will change our lives and give us life to the fullest. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back and we're going to close our time here celebrating in communion. I can't think of a better time or better opportunity than today to have communion. You don't have to be a member here at Element to take communion, but the one thing you do have to be a member is a, you have to be a member. You have to be a child of God. Someone who's placed their faith and trust into God. Where you've said, God, I, I believe that you, Jesus, that you are the ultimate sacrifice for sins. That you are the ultimate demonstration of love. That you have sacrificed yourself so that I 
can have my sins forgiven. And guys, here's the beauty of all this. And I think this is the side that we sometimes miss out on. Not only are our sins forgiven, but we are made righteous in the eyes of God. Jesus takes our sins and in re- talk about a raw deal. He takes our sins and gives us righteousness. And now, as the Bible teaches, we are now members, family, children of God. And not only that, but we're co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Is that not incredible? And it was all done out of this incredible act of love. So this morning, maybe you're sitting in here this morning and you've been searching, you've been looking, you've been... You've been... Your life is just... It's been one search after the next. And maybe this is the day you find that peace and you find that joy and you say, you know what? I want that. I want to accept that free gift of grace. And maybe today's the day you quit running and, and, and you find it. And you surrender. And you say, God, take, take my life. You, you take it. I've screwed it up enough. Maybe you're sitting in here this morning and you've placed your faith and trust in, into God years ago. And truth be known, your life is really... I mean, when you, t- when you think about this whole radical faith thing, it's like, ah, I'm not living it, man. It's not there. It's not there. This whole thing's more of a struggle than anything else. And I'm not finding joy. I don't have peace. And I'm, I'm really struggling. I feel empty. And maybe today's the day where you say, God, I need a renewing. God, I, I've... I've somehow have diverted my eyes somehow i've maybe have gotten deceived whatever it is god today's the day i want to come i want to i want to give up control again to you i want you to have complete control of my life and today's the day you're going to come and you're going to celebrate that renewing and maybe you're here this morning and you get, you're, you're getting it. You've got it. You understand what it means to have radical faith. Just like we talked about last week, we talked about the sheep and the goats. Remember that? We talked about the sheep and the goats. And we talked about the, at, at that time where we stand before God and, and God says, okay, let's, you know, we kind of give an account of uh, those of us that are following him. We give an account of, of what we've done with the talents and resources that he's given us here on earth. Some are going to stand before God at the very first time for that judgment. But some of us have already, we've already been been judged and we placed our faith and trust in God now we're righteous and he's going to come and he's going to take the ones who have who have who have committed their lives to him and he's going to say this is your reward and if you remember that whole story they said they asked the question this is our reward wow what did we do to earn this of course we don't do anything to earn it God gives it to us but Jesus says you fed me when I was naked or you fed me when I was hungry You clothed me when I was naked. You came to prison and visited me. You got it. There's some of you here in here that's that's gotten it. The Spirit has got a hold of your life. It's got the Spirit has control of your life, and you're producing fruit. and, And 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 essentially, it's your essence. It's who you are. God is able to freely live through you. And today, you're going to come and you're going to celebrate. And you're going to you're going to you're just going to celebrate God. 
this is I love the journey, God. So wherever you're at this morning, I would pray that in these next few moments as we sing, as we pause, would you I'm gonna close I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna lead us into a word of prayer. Would you allow the Spirit of God to connect with your spirit and encounter you in a very intimate way? And I believe that God is all knowing. I believe that whatever you're dealing with in here today, that God knows every specific little detail of your life. Every specific little detail, everything that you've got tucked away in the dark, which you don't want to deal with, or tucked away because you, it might bring shame or something like that, and you, 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 even though it would bring healing in, to your brokenness to talk about it, you can't talk about it to someone because at, at this point you're still scared, but God knows that. And God knows as you sit there and, and, and encounter him, you can have this this freeing experience, encounter with him. And so I pray that wherever you're at, whatever walk, whatever's happening on your journey right now, that you would just take a minute and as I lead us into a word of prayer, you would spend some time with God and then come and celebrate this incredible demonstration of love. And guys, when you leave here, you go out and you shout it from the rooftops. You spread the hope. You spread the peace. You spread the joy. Would you do that as I lead us into a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I just give you thanks for this time. I give you thanks for your spirit. I pray, God, right now that you would just allow us to encounter you in a way that would be absolutely just so meaningful for us. God, you know every single little detail of our lives. God, you know what others don't know. And God, this morning I pray that you would just give courage to those in here that have never placed their faith and trust in you and this might be the day that they are born again. And I pray for those, God, that are in here this morning that are following you but may be deceived or may be discouraged and may be down, God, this might be the day that they could receive a renewing of your spirit and they could walk out of here exclaiming joy. God, wherever we're at, would you speak to us, minister to us, allow us to encounter you in a very intimate way. And God, I pray and ask these things in the powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.